Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and we continue our look back series. 20 years ago, some of the biggest upsets in the 2001 season that changed the sport forever. It was a crazy year where there, there were some games that really did set the table for what was going to happen at the beginning of this century. And today, we're joined by Chris Vanini, covers the group of five and pretty much everything else for The Athletic. And you wrote about the Boise State-Fresno State game in 2001, which if you hear that now, you're like, oh, Boise State, you know, the, the, the darling of the group of five, the, you know, the, the standard, gold standard program in all those leagues. Well, not back then. This was a time when Fresno State was vying to be the first BCS buster. You know, it was three years before Utah actually pulled it off. Uh, Pat Hill had the, the anytime, any, anywhere, anybody philosophy of scheduling and uh they had David Carr at quarterback and Boise State shocks them and it's the start of something pretty amazing so let's let's set up that that game Chris you know uh, I had until I, I read your story I had I had forgotten how hot Fresno State was at that time and and what the you know the energy surrounding that program was yeah, no, I had forgotten too. So credit um, my editor, Matt Brown, who's a college football encyclopedia, who has been kind of behind a lot of this for us. He pointed out this was a good game to write about. And I had forgotten that, yeah, Fresno State was number eight in the country. They were already talking about David Carr as the number one pick. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This was this was a big time team. Fresno State had beaten Colorado. They'd beaten uh, I think Oregon State and Wisconsin, they were 6-0 and coming into this game. This, this was a really hot, this was going to be, like I said, the first non-BCS team to break through. And then they have a Friday night game against a 3-3 three and three Boise State that changes everything. And this was this was not on the blue, by the way. This was, uh, no. I don't even know if it was blue at the time, uh, but but this was in Fresno. And Pat Hill would play anybody. And that's the thing, if if they ever got hot, you thought, okay, this is a team that could break through and make a BCS Bowl. Nobody ever thought of a, a team outside of the, the BCS leagues, which of which there were six at the time. Nobody ever thought of them as potential national title contenders, but the thought of them breaking through that BCS ceiling was pretty intoxicating at the time. And you know, I, it was a time when the WAC was a relevant college football conference, and just just a different era but the the David Carr thing was probably the the biggest thing this is they've got a quarterback who everybody in the NFL wants and pretty good supporting cast around him yeah it it was a it was a really deep team and you know you mentioned Fresno State would play anybody anywhere like i said they won at they won at Colorado they won at Camp Randall Field 
beat Oregon State at home. And something he told me about really the rivalry, rivalry with Boise State in general was that Fresno State was the biggest game on the schedule for Boise State most years. That wasn't the case for Fresno State because they were playing all those P5 teams. So in terms of the, the, the motivation coming into the game, uh, that was something Pat Hill noticed in that game and in that rivalry because this was the first year Boise State was in the whack. They had just come from the Big West. They were only five years removed from playing at the FCS level. So this was still a team very much finding itself. Yeah, and the Boise State is in its first year under Dan Hawkins. That seems to be a, a theme in these stories we've done and, and, and the, the games we keep looking back at because you had Jim Tressel in his first year beating Michigan. You had... Uh, you had Pete Carroll in his first year beating UCLA. Um, Nick Saban was in his second year at LSU, but they win the, the SEC championship game and it kind of sets the table. But it, it, it does seem like it's a matter of getting things rolling. And so this is Dan Hawkins' first year at Boise State. Dirk Cutter has just left. Um, Houston Nutt kind of got them started with one really good year. Then he went to Arkansas. Then Cutter came in. But... It's interesting because Dan Hawkins was on Cutter staff. They promote from within, and they keep it rolling. This will become a theme later on. Yes, uh, Hawkins had come. He had been like the the coordinator for two years. He was a previously a head coach at NAI Willamette College in Oregon, which is why the direct, yes, which is why uh, Gene Blymeyer, the athletic director, uh, wanted to promote him. But no, nobody knew who he was really. And he goes on to create this run to move on, but they kept it going from there. It didn't work out, like you said, for it didn't work out for a lot of the guys who left Boise, including Dan Hawkins. But they kept promoting from within. It continued down to Brian Harson, and throughout twenty years, it's continued to work for them. Yeah, and and it's funny because this is a a case where they managed to kind of improve upon it with each step because Cutter had him going. And then Hawkins yeah. comes in and really gets him going. And then Chris Peterson takes it to an entirely different level. But the Peterson part doesn't happen without this, without a game like this. And, you know, it, it, it really was not – I mean, it's Friday night. It's one of those – you're not thinking of Boise State in the way we think of them now. Nobody, yeah. nobody thought of them that way. And this was the first time we got to see them be that team. But their quarterback, Ryan Dinwiddie, was, was a, another good example of this. It, it, he's almost like the, the quintessential Boise State player. Yeah, he was a lightly recruited guy out of Northern California, grew up a Fresno State fan, but was only offered a gray shirt by them. He goes to Boise State and doesn't play much his freshman year. But going into his sophomore year, Dan Hawkins goes to Chris Peterson, who we just hired as the OC, and tells him, I really like this kid. And he was extremely accurate from the very beginning. And he ends up breaking the college football record for career QB rating by, by, the, time, uh, by, by the time everything's said and done after three years. But at the time, he was a complete nobody, and he's going up against yeah. a future number one pick. Well, let's talk about this game itself before we get into the, the bigger picture implications of it because Fresno State had this weird week where they had midterms and 
they, they had like vans would pick up players to go take midterms and there were guys getting dropped off at the locker room like an hour before the game and Boise State rolls down the field and scores but then Fresno State settles and takes a pretty good lead how'd Boise State manage to come back yeah, it, it, Boise State goes down, like you said, score on the first drive, and, and Din, Dinwiddie told me he thinks, oh, we're going to have a shootout. But that's not how it happens. It ends up, Fresno State wakes up finally after after that first one. They drive right down and tie the game. They score another touchdown in that in, in that uh, first quarter. Score early in the second to take a 27, 22-7 lead after missing an extra point. But things kind of change with about six minutes left in the first half. And Fresno State punts the ball away to Boise State. And the gunner... Uh, Kendall Edwards levels the Boise State returner, like head down. It's a target. Like nowadays, it's targeting. We know it. Easy ejection. He he actually it, got suspended for this hit, right? He did. After he would, the game. He would get, yes, he would get suspended for one game after this hit. And Boise State knew about this because he had done this six weeks prior. Kendall Ed- Edwards had against Oregon State, and he broke the hand of the Oregon State player. He only received a 15-yard penalty in that game. And so Boise State knew that they had to keep an eye out for this guy who's going to hit him. But Boise State also, players told me they took pride in not uh, calling fair catches, just like in general. So it was kind of a mix of things there. Leads to this huge hit. He's ejected. And Boise State takes that drive. They drive all the, uh, they drive all the way down. Boise State's and ready they, to fight after this, basically. Yes, yeah. It, 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 that's what Dinwiddie told me. He told me they turned it into a street fight, not just a competition we didn't back down. They thought we could. They thought they could bully us and get us to back down, but they didn't. And Boise State drives down on this ensuing drive. They throw an interception, but they've got the energy now, and they, that would be the start of I think four straight drives where they get into the red zone at some point. So that really woke them up. And Pat Hill said that that was a turning point too. Fresno State goes down, misses a field goal on the next drive, but then Boise drives down in a minute, scores a touchdown right before the half to make it twenty to fourteen. And Pat Hill says that's where everything turned, that punt return and the subsequent couple of drives from Boise State. And changed a whole lot of things for a lot of a lot of programs down down the down the road, because, you know, Boise State was sort of the torchbearer for these these conferences for a long time. And this set the table for that. This proved that Dan Hawkins knew what he was doing because he could go to booster meetings and, and get people to say, you know what? Well, we are going to give you a little more money. And and he could keep good assistants like Chris Peterson on the staff. And uh, it just it all sort of snowballs from here. And I, the my favorite part of your story, though, is is before the game when David Carr is warming up and Dan Hawkins comes to him and says that he really respects the way he plays. <laughs> and then what, what happens next? David Carr says, well, thank you very much. And, and Dan Hawkins walks off and he got, gets about 15 yards away. And David Carr says, hey, wait a minute. Who are you? <laughs> and Dan Hawkins says, oh, I'm the head coach of this other team. And David Carr says, oh, OK. And it was it was it was like the mean Joe Green Coke commercial. Yeah. Like, hey, kid. Hey, and kid. He calls him, <laughs> Who are you, by the way? And, and, and it's funnier when you remember that Dan Hawkins will eventually be the guy who goes, it's the big 12. <laughs> it ain't intramurals, brother. Yes, the very same Dan Hawkins. But at this moment, he was a nobody. And that goes that goes by the opposing quarterback, too. And, and he had fun with it. It's, it's not like Dan Hawkins told the team and they got all inspired to do that because he didn't know who it was. <laughs> but he, did, he, he found it really interesting and funny. And, and uh, it just it really highlights how much of a forgotten or just 
not thought about program Boise State was. Well, and and so this was the the thing that started them rolling. And, and Hawkins tells you for this story that they were able to raise more money. They were able to build new things. They built an indoor facility, which I mean, in Boise, you, can you imagine practicing in Boise with no indoor? Yeah, no, that does not sound fun. Um, it, it, it it really came down. So this game, first first off, this game comes down to the end. It's 35-30. Fresno State's in the red zone, and Boise State gets a stop on a fourth down. They get a sack. That that wins them the game. And the next week, Dan Hawkins goes back to these booster meetings, which weren't going very well because they were 3-3, three and three, and people were wondering if he was the guy for the job. Then everybody was a believer that they could do things after they beat a top-10 Fresno State team. And and. The next handful of years, they go 12 and 1, 13 and 1, like three years in a row. And the, the money's continuing to come in. They, they, get, they become a Nike team. The, the indoor opens in 2006. And, and Ryan did when he said this to me. He goes, So he's, he, like I said, he, he grew up a Fresno State fan from the area, has friends there. He would go by after he graduated, go back to Fresno, see some people, go back to Boise, see some people there. And every time he went, Boise State's facilities were getting better. And Fresno's weren't. And mm. that was the day, he says, that was the day we took it from him. Now we had the best facilities. Now we had the best recruiting. Now we had the best coaches uh, in the WAC, in the Mountain West. And that's that's because that game convinced everybody to get on board. C- correction from earlier. The blue was installed in 1986 at that's Boise. Right, yes. So they, they did have the blue at home, but they were playing in the, in the San Joaquin Valley where it was very green at Fresno State. We'll be right back after these words. This gets them rolling. This this gets this stuff built. And then it also gets Dan Hawkins the Colorado job. And when Dan Hawkins leaves, Boise State does exactly what they did earlier and promoted the longtime assistant with Chris Peterson. And it, it, and Peterson had not been on Dirk Cutter's staff. Hawkins hired him directly from Oregon, where he was under the wide receivers coach. So Hawkins brought him in in 2001, that first year. They find a quarterback in Ryan Didwitty. They get that win against Fresno State. Then they get rolling. And then when Hawkins decides to move on, Peterson's right there, ready to go. And I think I think it was Peterson's first year was the one they go to uh, the the Fiesta Bowl and beat to Oklahoma. And that that's. That sends them into the stratosphere. Well, and, and, and who, did, there. who did Peterson make his offensive coordinator when he got hired as head coach? Brian Harson. Yep. Now, Brian Harson was not hired to Boise State as the head coach from the offensive coordinator. He went to Texas and then he became the head coach at Arkansas State first. But it was still a matter of they kept it in the family every time and have still kept it in the family. Brian Harson has uh, moved on to Auburn this past offseason. They hire Andy Avalos who was Oregon's DC, but who had worked with all of those guys at Boise state and had, and had played at Boise state. So I, that's, that's the thing that amazes me about Boise state because we, we have another episode in this series where we talk about USC and their continuous chase of Pete Carroll people to try to recapture the magic of what Pete Carroll did. Boise state, did recap they, they never lost the magic they really have been kind of this program since like 2002 yeah it, it's 
it's a lot like Wisconsin in that the the program survives at all. The program is bigger than the people in it. And if you have people who understand the program, then it's going to keep going. Boise State is still by far the most resourced team in its conference. They have their own half of the TV deal where they get more than everybody in it. And, and things are set up for them to continue to succeed in a unique way. And the standard remains incredibly high. And everybody who comes in there knows it and for the most part meets it. Now, you talked to Gene Blameyer for this story, and he's a longtime athletic director at Boise State, but he hasn't been the athletic director the entire time. You know, it's not like Barry Alvarez in Wisconsin where he, the identity was coming from him, and, you know, now that's that's going to come from somebody else too. But they managed to do it even through the management of the athletic department. That That's the part that fascinates me, is that the people changed and the culture didn't in a good way. The culture stayed where it was because it was a good culture. How, how do you do that? that? That's, that's where it comes to the coaches had already been there before and they knew where Boise state should recruit. They knew what kind of guys to recruit. They knew how to find players who knew what they needed to do. That's why I'm most curious about the future of Boise state now, because they have both a new AD and a new coach and the president is relatively new. So it, it's really been in the last, year plus here at Boise State, they actually have had that larger change that they didn't have, and it's happening all at once. So, like you said, Andy Avalos, former coach, former player there, so he knows the place. Now we'll see if he can continue to keep that program at that standard because they do have a lot of change at the moment that previously they had only had in bits and pieces kind of spread out. Yeah, and this is the the most change. And it's interesting to me because – you kind of wonder, like, who was the most important person in all this? I, my theory is it was Peterson. You know, he he comes in with Hawkins, and then really establishes them as the dominant program in the Group of Five. Well, in the non BCS conferences at the time, and you know, created a model program. And then and then you saw him go to Washington and do basically the same thing. So I I, I kind of think he might have been the the secret sauce and we'll see the further you get away from him, you know, how much, because Boise state is probably not the, the premier group of five program right now. That's probably Cincinnati or UCF. And, you know, will they be able to kind of ascend back to that point? We'll see. And, it, and that, I don't know, you tell me, is that because of anything that's happened at Boise state or is it just because the American seems to be a little better resource than the Mountain West. I, I think it's a couple schools at the American that had natural advantages that prop finally figured it out. I mean, UCF should always be one of the best teams right. are down in And Florida Cincinnati kind of always has been good. Cincinnati, ha yes, has always been good. But, you, but they slipped up a couple times. They had the Tuberville years and things went wrong. Boise State hasn't had those years. That That's like we were just saying, to, to consistently be, even if you're not at the very top, they're still very, very good. UCF goes undefeated a couple years after going winless. You know, Cincinnati had the Tuberville years. It's hard to sustain that. Cincinnati had coaching changes, but they lost guys uh, who, who went on to Power 5 jobs, and they kept it going for a while until they couldn't. So in the, in the long run, Cincinnati and UCF have recruiting advantages. They have largely some financial advantages as well. But if a Luke Fickle leaves... 
uh, is it going to continue? Things were trending downward with Josh Heupel, so we'll see where they are with with Gus Malzahn. They are best positioned to stay there, but Boise State was never positioned to be there. It's in Idaho. It's it was in the WAC. It was in FCS <laughs> yeah. in the nineties. How, how have they done nobody, this? How have they stocked the roster? Yeah, I mean, how how have they stocked the roster the way they have? Because it's not only that they've gotten good players; they they've developed them, they've turned them into to good NFL players. You had first round draft picks like Doug Martin and Leighton Vander Esch. How do they do it? They just find the right guys. They typically have a top five group of five recruiting class, but they're still not top 25 national classes. They, they, they can get solid players. They can pull a four star here and there, but not on the regular. Um, they've just been able to find the right guys who, who keep that culture going for 20 years through multiple coaches, through multiple quarterbacks and, and everything that comes with that. They just have a formula there. And that's why when you keep it in the family, they keep that uh, formula going. I do enjoy how the Pac-12 and the Big 12 essentially cheat off Boise State's paper now. Like As soon as Boise yes. State offers somebody, yes. all those other schools take a look and they're like, hmm, do, do, do we yes. want this guy? And Because you, you see that a lot. You see a lot of early Boise State commits flip to Power yes. 5 schools. And my my favorite of those is a guy who actually he never committed to Boise State, but his first offer was from Boise State is Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy mm. gets a and, and it's really because the Boise State coaches were good people and did not try to pressure him into committing because <laughs> they, they offered him. It's the first year of the the early signing period. And so Harson and his staff offer Brock Purdy 48 hours before the December signing date. He's never been there. He's from Phoenix. He says, you know what? I'd really like to take a visit. I don't think I can sign with you guys right now. And they said, you know what? That's fine. Well, we we understand. Come visit. We'll show you around. We think you'll like it. Well, what they probably didn't bank on, because nobody knew exactly what was going to happen, was that once the December signing period ended, and then there was this other signing period in February, any quarterback who was considered good who was left unsigned was suddenly very much in demand. Yes. And, and the fact that Boise state had offered Brock Purdy meant, Oh, he has their seal of approval. So that means he, he's probably pretty good. And so he gets offered by Iowa state. He gets offered by UCF. He gets offered by uh, Alabama was going to offer him a, a, like a preferred walk on spot, took one other look at his film was like, you know what? We're going to just offer you. And then, and then Texas A&M offers him too. And it's like, wow. Where, but that's, I mean, that, that is the power of, of Boise state putting its stamp on you. Yeah. It, that, that, that with, is very much a thing too, for, for those listening. If certain schools offer somebody early, people notice and they, they trust the evaluations of a place like Boise state. And when he gets that Boise state offer, People take a second look at a kid, just like you said. It's a very real thing that happens with coaching staffs. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, that's that's up to Andy Avalos to keep that going as well. But they've just been so good at finding those people, and I, I you know, I it, it really is amazing because I, I I've been out there. Now Boise's a very nice town, and it's bigger than a lot of you know college towns in in Power Five leagues, but it's still it's it's pretty remote and it's not the easiest place in the world to get to. And, uh, you know, it, most people 
don't grow up thinking they're going to go play football in Idaho and, and become a star. And so I do wonder, what are some of those first conversations like when they're talking to guys from LA or from Phoenix or from Houston and saying, come on to Boise. I mean, now there's such a huge brand that everybody knows what Boise State is and they know they're being offered by a really good program. But I wonder what some of those early Hawkins conversations were like. Yeah, that that's a good point. It's it's you think about now, like a Gonzaga, they were able to sign top mm-hmm. players yeah. to out in Spokane, which is right on the border near near Idaho. And um, but Boise State can't sign guys to to that level. But eventually, they had a pedigree of hey, we're clearly putting guys in the NFL. People are going to give us a look. But at the time. No, there was not a ton to sell. Like I said, Ryan Didwitty, his offer was pulled by Colorado State at the last minute. Fresno State only offered him a gray shirt, and he goes on to break the career QB rating record. Like it's just sometimes you just find the right guy at the right time, and when when there's not as much to pitch. I mean, Boise State was coming off of two 10-win seasons, but they were also leaving the Big West, which kind of fell apart. They were going into a new conference. It was kind of a lot of things up in the air. It takes the right players at the right time to convince everybody else that it works can you tell me which two schools they beat out for kellen moore here's a good boise state trivia question Ooh, that's tough i don't know i don't know what is he's from uh, i'll give you a hint he's from prosser washington so that should probably give you a a little better hint of of who it might be uh washington washington state oh no eastern washington and idaho (laughs) There you go. I should have known that. I haven't looked it up in, in forever. I was just thinking about Kellen Moore, actually, but uh, that's a great trivia there. Yeah, that's a, it's another example of just – and he goes on to break the QB wins record. Yeah. So it's 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 just like you get – they've had a great string of quarterbacks, too. Like, obviously, it's the most important position in football, but to find Ryan Didweedy, to find Jared Zabransky, to find Kellen Moore, those guys started for several years, too, and that kind of carries you through a lot of this as well. Yeah, I mean, Jared Zabransky from Hermiston, Oregon. I mean, the greatest Statue of Liberty play of all time. And it, but the, and a the video game is, and a video game cover guy. Remember? Yes, he Boise, got the video Boise, game cover. Boise State got on the cover of the video game. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. But the, the thing about that game, and I was at that game, they were absolutely fearless. What, what everyone forgets about the Boise State-Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl is that Boise State was kicking the crap out of Oklahoma for about yeah, two and a half al- quarters. Yeah, they almost they, they threw the game away at the end. They had it one and yeah. they blew it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma had this huge comeback, and you thought, oh, well, they're done. And, and then Boise State has has the the circus play, the the lateral play, that, that gets them set up to, to go to overtime. And uh, But it, it is amazing – how it's it's kind of the story of of branding in college football where you can create a bigger brand than you probably ever should be if you just stay consistent with what you are and, and what you do. And like we know Boise State's brand of football. Like it, it's interesting because I, I was talking to somebody earlier about Brian Harson at Auburn and how I don't really know how he's gonna handle being at Auburn and how he's gonna do at Auburn. But I'm like, you know what? Boise State beats people up at the line of scrimmage. Auburn always has good defensive linemen, like, and, and they probably can find some good offensive linemen too. So Brian Harris is probably going to be just fine if he just does that. But that's that's not so much me, you know, 
extrapolating Brian Harson is saying, well, that's what Boise State does. That's the culture. I, I want to go back to something you said there about the brand and that game creating a brand for Boise State. That game changed what a lot of administrators at G5 schools thought was possible because we saw Boise State become the national brand. Now everybody's pouring money in trying to be the Boise State. Every G5 school is opening indoor facilities, paying $3 million to keep a coach because they all want to have that Boise State moment and think they can get there. It's sim- it's, it's kind of similar to when like a, when like a, a Florida Gulf Coast makes a run in, yeah. in the basketball tournament and they get a lot from it. You know, Gonzaga. Gonzaga became a national brand because of, uh, because of what it did had some big upsets, and then did it for a period of time. Everybody's chasing that now. Everybody's chasing to be what Boise State created for itself. You know, that 2006 game is what got them there, and then they continued on to do it. But the but 2006 it really, but it really game doesn't, doesn't happen without Hawkins no, it doesn't building happen on that, that first year. Yeah, it doesn't happen with that 2001 upset against Fresno State, which is the entire point of the series that we're writing. That's what got – that's what catapulted the confidence is what – Everybody told me they they win four out of their last five games that year. They lose three games the next three years total. Yeah. Everything changed after that one game. The, the boosters literally, the literally they have there. they have been great as a program ever since. Literally ever since they were three and three at going into that game. Then they lose uh, one game the rest of the year. Three games total the next four years because they go undefeated in two thousand six. And yeah. then they're winning, and, and <laughs> they, they win it. They, they win it. They win at least ten games in fifteen of eighteen years uh, before twenty twenty gets all weird. Golly, that is that is truly amazing. It, it really is, and it's a crazy uh, run when you think about it. Like we we know, oh Boise State, we know they're good, but like if you go like if you like look at their year by year record, it's an insane run. And they've managed to keep it up through coaches, through ads. We'll see, because you're right. This is the most change at once that they've experienced. So does that halt the the role? Are there are there programs in the Mountain West that that have managed to figure out a way to to close the gap on them? We'll see. But until somebody actually does it, I'm gonna find it hard to believe. And maybe maybe it's and, Fresno State. Maybe it's San Jose State with with ninth year senior Nick Starkle yeah. <laughs> who can do it. Well, but let, let's talk about Fresno real quick. Fresno real okay. quick. So they were number eight in the country. They they end up winning eleven games that year still in two thousand one, yeah. and they they didn't fall apart. They won nine games in two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. They nearly beat USC number one. You know the Reggie Bush game. It was still a really one of the best non BCS programs, but they weren't Boise State. Pat Hill, for as incredible a run as he did as he went on, he was one in ten against Boise, and he and he wow. told me he said that he said that'll go on my tombstone, Boise State. I hear about it all the time. I, he says I lost eight, about 80 games in 15 years, and like 50 of them were to Boise and the Power 5 teams. An, ent- an eighth, one-eighth of his entire losses were just to Boise State. That That is amazing. And and that's the thing. If you are trying to be an upstart, it, it's sort of the the find the biggest guy and punch him in the face to establish that that, that you, you should be respected. But that's what that was. That's what Fresno State was in the whack at the time. They were they were the bully. And Boise State went up and punched them in the face, and all of a sudden, Boise State becomes the the most respected. Yep, yep. And and that's exactly what, like I said, that's exactly what Ryan did what he said, because from that point on, Boise State's facilities got better, Fresno State's didn't. 
and they they could never catch up to them. They also missed out on Josh Allen, hometown guy. Fireball, yes. California. Can't miss that. But yeah, I mean that it, it's it's one of those things that Boise State didn't get every great recruit it could have gotten, but they they did recruit better than anyone else in that league. Especially think about this. San Diego State is in their league. Now they weren't always in the same league, but they're in the same league as San Diego State. If you have both offers, San Diego State and Boise State, you're probably going to Boise State. And that is probably <laughs> the biggest compliment you can pay the program is that if you offer the same person a chance to live in Boise or San Diego, they're choosing Boise. <laughs> yeah, I actually I had a, I had a mailbag question a couple weeks back of who are some of the group of five teams that need to recruit better relative to where they are. And one of those is San Diego State. Now, this past year was one of their best classes in a while, and maybe the fact that Rocky Long is gone and Brady Hoke took over and things will trend back in that direction recruiting-wise. Uh, but, yeah, in, in San Diego State uh, should be recruiting better than they are, and they got a new stadium coming. You know, they had a good stretch of 10-win seasons and stuff like that. But for all these teams that came up and down, had good runs, won 10 games, they, never, they, they, they haven't supplanted Boise State. And it's going to be really hard to do. I cannot wait to see what Andy Avalos does there because, again, I am fascinated by this because other programs have tried this. Other programs have tried to continue the culture and to keep it going, and Wisconsin's managed to do it. Hardly anybody else has, and nobody else has as well as Boise State. I mean, nobody, because Dirk Cutter, Dan Hawkins, Chris Peterson, Brian Harson. And if Andy Avalos can keep it, I mean, that that would be five, yeah. five, you, keeping it going. Do you, yeah. Do you remember who the coach was before Dirk Cutter? Spent one year there. Houston Nutt. One, Houston Nutt. He went like four and seven, I think. And he, and and he, he got the there, Arkansas job. And he got the Arkansas job out of it. Yeah. So congrats to Houston Nutt. <laughs> He's in the people helping business, Chris. That's, that's <laughs> yes, why. He, is. Yes, he, he is. also... He also took Arkansas to two SEC championship games. People forget that, but he did, and, and two cotton and what Ole Miss to two cotton balls. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, it, it it is the the Boise State program is is really a testament to if you build a great culture and you find a way to keep it going, you can you can sustain. But I just I, I think it's probably harder than they make it look. Oh, oh to- totally, totally agree, absolutely. Chris Benini, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Yep, thanks for having me.